This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you, thank you, Alicia. So glad you came out here on a Wednesday night. Again, I believe it's important that the doors of the church are open even on Wednesday nights. So I applaud you. I know many of you have worked hard again today. And so we're going to feed your faith and starve your doubts. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, or ushers will get you the word. And go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 is where we'll receive our tithes and offerings. And I, I, I like to give little teachings on this because this impacted me and Shelley's life a long time ago. So we got married real young and we know what it's like to be poor. It's not a sin to be poor, it's just really inconvenient. <laughs> and again, God's word said he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, but I gotta learn to do it his way. So, you know, we were so poor, we couldn't even spell poor. I was so poor, I couldn't even pay attention, let alone pay for anything else. So we began to look at our life and we just always had more month than money. Anybody have ever had more month than money and you're like, oh my gosh, God, you got to do something. Well, God tells us what to do. We just got to really, really hook up to his word and we got to obey his word even in this area right here. And so this is one of the first scriptures that we really, really begin to stand on. And when we begin to read these passages here, we would look and we say, we got to do this. We got to obey this. But then our mind would kick in and we'd say, we don't have the money to do that. Well, it's interesting that God doesn't ask you if you got the money to do it. He says, just do it. You got to start getting seed in the ground. Think about this. There is no harvest without seed in the ground. It would be like me telling, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have some tomatoes this year. Would you plant some tomato seeds? No, I didn't plant nothing. I'm just hoping they'll come up. Well, you'd look at me and say, we need to lock you up in the ha-ha hotel. You're crazy. Things don't happen that way. And so I, I read this here in Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Everything you own, honor the Lord. And with the first fruits of all your increase, with every increase that comes to you. Now think about that. Every increase that comes to you, I'm to honor him with my first fruits, which better stated would be my first or my best. Now notice he said, honor him with your first fruits. He didn't say, give him your leftovers. So right here it tells me there is a blessing attached when I honor him with the first fruits. When I say, okay. Now to honor God with the first fruits, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna take some faith. But I want you to notice in verse 10, What's God's desire for this? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Better stated here, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessing. But I don't get to verse 10 without obeying verse 9. And some people will say, well, I did that one time. 
you got to get some seed in the ground. And you got to continually have seed in the ground. Will it be a step of faith? One of the biggest steps of faith you've ever been in. But when you start operating in this and you start seeing what God can do in your finances, and it, it doesn't make sense up here. There's times you look and think, I, I don't know how this is happening. Thank you. There's two of you. Whoever that was, I'm going to preach to you tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. Lord, grace is here. Soak us with your word that, Lord, we get a hold of this right here. That, Lord, we, we honor you. We honor you with our possessions. We, we, we honor you with the first fruits. And, Lord, we thank you. You're the God that does precisely what you said in your word. And so, Lord, we pray that blessing right now in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. All right. Goodness of God, huh? A couple quick announcements again. The last day to buy these tickets for the youth barbecue plate is tonight. You can do that right out here. Listen, guys, we just try to get as many as these teenagers to go to camp. Sometimes people, you just want to say, I, 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 want, a, I want a scholarship, some, some student to go. It's that significant, we believe. They don't go down there and, and, and just do nothing. They go down there, and I've seen, I've seen them get healed. I've seen them get so turned on to God. I've seen some of them be called to ministry right down there. So it, it is a big deal, big deal to do this. And so that's why we're doing. And then, again, the deal at Panda Express is tonight out at 82nd Milwaukee. Just mentioned Faith Church. All we're doing again is trying to get as many, many teens as we can to camp. And so the faith closet is open tonight, right after the service. Be sure and get your little blessing before you go up there. All right, go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. If you open to Proverbs, you'll just go to your right and you'll hit Ecclesiastes. I'll get there in a minute. I got a bunch to say before I get there. Hopefully we'll get there. But last week we got over on the Ten Commandments that you find there in Exodus 20, the Ten Instructions of the Lord. Notice those aren't the ten multiple choice. Well, I like A, L, and G, but I hate those other ones. No, the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. So when we go through there and look at some of them, I mean, it's, it's very obvious what God's desire is for us. And when we break any of his Ten Commandments, we've sinned against God. The very first one is he said, have no other gods before me. Don't worship any other gods and have no carved images before you. And again, we have this thought. I would never worship an idol. Well, again, an idol is anything or anyone that takes God's place in my life. So I'm, I'm looking at some words the other day. And a word that, that we hear at times got my attention. It's the word obsessed or the word obsession. Now, the word obsession literally is an idolatry word. It's a word used pertaining to idols. And the word obsession means to constantly think, focus, a, a persistent idea, a preoccupation, an addiction, an affection to something or someone other than God. So what are some of your obsessions? So I keep reading this article, and it starts talking about all the different things we can be obsessed with. 
So a few weeks ago, it was the NFL draft. And I started watching a little bit, and you know what I figured out? There's people that are obsessed with the NFL. And they're going crazy over there, a draft. I mean, jumping around, screaming and hollering. Ah, look who we drafted. I mean, it was their livelihood. It was their preoccupation. But our obsessions could be different. Am I obsessed with things on TV? Have you ever said this? I'm going to tell you right now. Tuesday at 4.30, the last place I'm going to be, no matter what happens, is I'm going to be in front of that TV. i got to watch that. I'm obsessed with the TV. Do you know they say the average American watches four and a half hours of TV a day? Some of you saying, Pastor, they really underestimated that one. Some people are, are obsessed with entertainment in the areas of movies. I'm just obsessed. I got to go out and see the latest and greatest of the planet of the apes. Some of you don't even know what that is, do you? <laughs> way back, way back. Some people are obsessed with video games. They're gamers. So I read this stat pertaining to video games. Now listen to this. A 15-year-old, whether it's a male or female, that's addicted to video games, displays the same characteristics of that of a heroin addict. They become de dependent, devoted, and they begin to withdraw from their families. They withdraw from their friends. They make excuses, and they start having to lie about what they're doing. Now, I'm not, I'm not downplaying any of this. I'm not saying don't do that. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Whether it's the NFL, whether it's TV, movies, or video games. But here's the question. Have I gone from watching these to worshiping these? Wow. See, another question I have to ask myself. Is that my affections? Is that what I give my, my heart to so you can take something that's good, but turn it into a God. I'm obsessed. I'm controlled. I'm dominated. So we begin here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. This is uh, King David's son, Solomon. Now remember, Solomon was considered the wisest man who's ever walked the earth, okay? He goes on to say in verse 2, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. The word vanities means utterly meaningless or a most useless thing. Interesting. Vanity, 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 says the preacher. Vanity of all vanities. What profit or gain or value has a man from all his labor in which he toils or he works or labels or labors under the sun? So what gives genuine value to my existence? The question that he brings up here explains everything is useless. There's no gain. There's no profit. There's no abiding value to man from his labor. 
under the sun. Now, if you study the entire book of Ecclesiastes, he'll use that phrase, under the sun, 29 times. Now, if you were to study this entire book, it's 12 chapters, you will begin to find out that this guy named Solomon, he had everything under the sun. He had everything you can imagine. He had a jillion livestock, he had farmland, he had orchards, he had waterfalls, he had ponds, he had maidservants, female servants, male servants. The dude had 750 wives. <laughs> 250 concubines. And, and he uses the word vanity, becomes useless. Verse four, one generation passes away and another generation comes. They come and they go, they just keep coming and they going. But the earth will abide forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down. It hastens or hurries to the place where it arose so it can rise again. The wind goes toward the south, then it turns and goes to the north. The wind whirls about continually, and it comes again on its circuit. All the rivers, they run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come. There they return again. So the sun, the wind, the rivers behave exactly as they always have since the very beginning. Why he's highlighting that is the sun, the wind, the rain is independent of man's enterprises. Just keeps going on. And so part of the reason that he expresses this here, that many false religions they focus off the sun, the wind, and the rivers. Ancient false religions, and even modern day religions. So you know what he's getting over to? Idols and the false things of this world. Not gonna be good, verse eight. All things are full of labor, weary, weary beyond description, and man cannot express it. I can't find any meaning to it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. My eye never has enough of what I see, nor the ear filled with hearing. So he's talking about the ear is never full, and so with the things that I see and the things I hear, it, it's kind of like it just repeats over and over and over again. And so what he's telling us here is, none of it will ever satisfy. My eye will always want something new or something better. And the things I hear about, they, they stir within me. And so this is what he's getting over to. My possessions hold me captive. It just wears me out. Remember the song, I can't get no satisfaction. And so when I, I read this, this is what I call having a Solomon moment. 
where he's having a Solomon moment. And everything he's talking about here that, that he thought would bring satisfaction was just vanity. And what's interesting to me, this was before there was the internet. This was before there was even a cell phone. Vanity, vanity, vanity. What's happening to me? So what he's getting over to here is nothing apart from God can make you happy. It becomes this senseless pursuit because it'll never fill you up. Now, while you're real close here in Ecclesiastes, go to Ecclesiastes 12, and I just want to read one more verse. My earthly possessions, my earthly accomplishments that I've become obsessed with, they leave me empty. I become burned out. I become dry spiritually. I become delusion. And when you look at the word idolatry, it is a, a word that is described as sin. So he goes through his life thinking all these things will satisfy me. Man, if I could just take that vacation to the Bahamas. That's great, but it's only going to last a week. If I could just get this, if I could just have that, I, I know it, it would bring satisfaction. But what I find out, it doesn't. So here he is at the end of his life. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. And he says, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's hear the whole story. And this is what he says. Fear God. Reverence God. Worship God. Honor God. And keep or obey his commandments. The message says, do what he tells you. For this is man's all. He said, I'm telling you from past experience. So when you see the word man's all, a turn that stands in sharp contrast to the things the world are found. It's vanity because you know what? It's all going to pass away. It's all going to be gone. I'm kind of careful saying this because a guy in the church shot me a picture of this, but I used to say I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You know what that means? When you die, it's not going with you. But one of the guys in the church, he heard me say that, and one day he sent me a picture, and it's this guy driving. He's driving a motorhome with a hearse tied behind it. And I thought, I better not tell that to people anymore because I don't know that's totally true, but it's real interesting that he said that. But anyhow, it's vanity. It's all vanity. And I, I get caught up in, in the idols. I become enslaved. And it robs me. It disappoints me. So again, I, I don't want to live in these Solomon moments. I want to live for God. I, I ask you to turn with me to, to Romans the book of Romans, chapter number six. And one of the reasons I'm going here is because we, we live in a church world right now where many times people make the comment, 
Well, that's why I live by grace. I, I live by grace because grace covers whatever I want to do. And sometimes I look and I think, well, I, I don't know what you've heard that from. But grace, grace doesn't cover or give me a license to sin, okay? Now, I, I want you to read this with me here because I'm telling you, this will set you free when you see this. Romans chapter 6. Let me see where I'm at here. Verse number 1. Now, pay close attention here. What shall we say? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And he answers and says, certainly not. One translation says, what a terrible thought. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So the idea of a Christian continuing sin is entirely contrary to the gospel. Certainly not. Same chapter, verse 14. And I'm getting over again. Idolatry is a word of sin. So when I play with these things, it's sin. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion or sin shall not exert dominion over you. Sin doesn't have to any longer be my master. But am I mastered by things that I know that wouldn't be pleasing to God? For you are not under the law, but under, under grace. You know what the difference between under the law and grace is? When I live under the law, I do something for God. When I live under grace, God does something for me. I welcome God. I welcome his grace. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And he asks the same question again. Does grace encourage us or permit us to sin? Look what he says. Certainly not. Of course not. May it never be. Not by any means. Now listen, listen real close. Do, not, do you not know that to whom you present your slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Uh-oh. The one you obey. You become a servant by the one you choose to obey. Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So again, a person becomes a slave by that which he gives obedience to or recognizes as his master. If we obey sin, then sin becomes my master. If I obey the, the, the desire of righteousness, then righteousness becomes my master. Hmm. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin... Yet you obeyed from the heart. You responded. You submitted without reservation. You obeyed from the heart. The New Living Translation says you obeyed wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. But again, there's times in my life I've, I've desired to obey. I want to obey God. But I find myself not obeying God. But that's where grace is going to kick in. You're going to see that in just a second. 
He said, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. And so when you see the word delivered right there, it, it tells me. I can be set free from sin. I can be free from sin. That sin doesn't have to dominate me. Am I preaching that you're going to be perfect? No. No, the, the difference in all this right now is before I gave my heart to Jesus and I sinned, and I was a good sinner. Anybody else in here was a good sinner? I was a good sinner. I was on the dean's list in sinning. I majored in sin. You know what sinners do? We sin. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, something began to happen on the inside of me. Even though I sinned, I didn't like to sin. It bothered me. That's how you know you're growing. I had a man that waited for me after church on Sunday and just so sincere. And he said, Pastor, i got to talk to you. And he said, man, I, I work around a bunch of ungodly people. And he said, I try to be a witness. I try to do my best. And he said, the other day, he said, I found myself cussing and I don't like doing that. And I said, you know what? I've worked around a lot of ungodly people. I said, I've been there. But I said, did you hear what you told me? And he said, what? And I said, you're growing. You said you're cussing and you don't like to do that. Well, you know what that tells me? Something on the inside's working on you because before you were getting born, before you got born again, when you cussed, did it bother you? No. But now something, and see, that's what I'm doing. I'm wanting to encourage you. God's working in you. God's helping you. So where does this thing called grace kick in? Glad you asked. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. If you're going somewhere, go to this one with me because, man, I'm going to tell you, it will tell us firsthand what the grace of God. Here's interesting something, a little side note for you. The author of Hebrews is unknown. Some believe it was the apostle Paul. Some believe it was a guy named Bar Barnabas. Some believe it was another apostle named Apollos. But many believe it was a woman named Priscilla. That'll rock some of your theology right there. And this woman named Priscilla, she was an associate of Paul's. She, she was with Paul all the time. She spoke with Paul all the time. And so this is interesting. That's just a side thought for you. That was free. Just a little bonus there tonight. Hebrews 12, verse 27. Now, this expression yet once more indicates the removal or the final removal of those things that are being shaken. So there's going to be a shaking at the end of this age. The final removal. One more step of removal. And there's going to be this shaking. Now watch what he says. That the things are being shaken as of the things that are made. The things that are going to be shaken are the things that have been made. That They are temporal Again, I, I don't want to place my trust on something that's temporal, that's going to crumble, that's going to fail. He goes on to say this, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. 
What can't be shaken? The eternal things. The eternal things can't be shaken. They're settled in heaven. Verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, the kingdom of heaven, the place where God lives, where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, right? It can't be shaken. And it's interesting, he said, we're going to receive a kingdom. And so when you get born again and your name is registered in heaven, this is what he's talking about. We're going to receive a king. It can't be shaken. Let us have grace. Let us have grace. What do I need grace for? Now watch this. Which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So when I read this, let us have grace, it's literally so I can serve God, I can obey God, I can please God, I can stand before God in a holy, godly fear. So when I read this right here, the purpose for grace is for me to serve God. The purpose of grace wasn't for me to do whatever I want. So I, I welcome you, I encourage you. Oh, Father God, I welcome your grace today. Grace me to serve you. Grace me to obey you. Do you know there's, there's affirmations I do over my life every day? One of the affirmations that I speak every day is I, I, I wake today, Father God, to your mercy and your grace. I wake to your mercy and your grace. Woo! Uh, the, the Corinthians 12, 9 your grace is sufficient even in my weakness. Let that be part of your prayer, Lord. I pray for grace today. Grace me, Father God. Grace me to be like you. Grace me with your DNA. Grace me to obey. Grace me not to look at the things of this world or vanity. Grace me that I don't depend on the things that are shakable, but grace me that I live by the things that are unshakable. They are steady. They are firm. They are planted. And watch what? God will begin to do. And so you know what the heart of the issue is? The issue of the heart. What does my heart long for? I, I need his grace. I'm going to tell you right now. You're not going to work, uh, have, have these things work for you, happen for you, without God's grace. I welcome his grace. You know what grace is? It's an empowerment. Grace me, Father God. Remember the old song? Amazing grace. Ooh, there's a reason it's called amazing grace. The grace of God. Why don't you stand up here? Mm. So I got in a hurry there at the end, but the things that are vanity are literally things that will be shakable. That's why I can't put my trust in the things of this earth. I just put my trust in God. And you know, God's kingdom is not dependent on the stock market. It's not dependent on a price of barrel of oil. It's not, it's not dependent on interest rates. It's not dependent on what happened to my Bitcoin. It's not dependent on any of that. 
And so I, I, I want to be dependent on the eternal things, and that's everything God is. Lord, help me. Help me today. Help me. Why don't you bow your head with me? Father God, we love you today. We honor you today. And Father God, we stand before you, and if we put our trust in the things that are just vanity, meaningless, useless, Father God, grace us to turn from those and turn to you. And Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you're the never-changing God, and I pray your grace in here for every one of us right now. That you would touch our hearts, that you would fill us, that you would give us an appetite, not only for your word, but to obey it. And Lord, we give you glory and honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.